welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. Good day to you. And it is a good day here, a nice summery day, and I hope this finds you well. Thanks for tuning in. I tried to think I want to do a kind of a chill, relaxing episode because we've had some intense times in a in our culture recently, and it's nice to balance it with some uh, jovial, more relaxed type of atmosphere. So we're going for that today. And when I was thinking about what exactly to focus on, I, I stumbled across this great piece in the New York Times. The title of the piece is, We Need a Trick to Feel Our Joys as Deeply as Our Griefs. And this piece is written by Eric Kaplan and illustrated by cartoonist Eleanor Davis. So it's a great title. It kind of gets your attention. It's a call for response, I thought. So I decided to respond to it. Let me come back to that in a minute. Let's do a few quick announcements. And if we have new listeners this week because of the connection to the New York Times article, welcome. This is Weather of the Mind podcast, a weekly podcast. And I try to do practical approaches to emotional health. Try to make, try to develop a lens for seeing culture and seeing our own emotional selves, understanding the relationship between our emotions and our rational mind, understanding the relation between our emotions and our families and our community, these type of things. So we've had a good time. This is episode 83. If you are just tuning in, I recommend episode 80 and episode 82. Two of the last three were quite strong, quite engaging. All right, let's see. Before we jump into it, I wanted to give a special thanks to Eddie in Colorado who who wrote in and talked about the importance of nest and, and kind of requesting me to do a show about nest, our nests, because he had observed that during these corona times, people's emotional health was very much connected to how strong and secure and nurturing their nest, their home life, physically and emotionally. What does that nest look like and how do we strengthen our nests? So Eddie from Colorado, thanks for writing in. I appreciate that. Appreciate the engagement. Also heard from Emily in North Carolina. She loved uh, the line that I said in last week's episode, time is the ultimate currency. And she was encouraging me to explore further. I was talking about distrust and our relationship with authority in last week's episode. And she said that it got her thinking about anger. And how, how we keep stories, how we retell stories of these certain emotions as we've experienced them throughout our lives. And she was asking me to explore further anger. And I am always want to explore anger. I think it's a fascinating part of, of human life and a fascinating part of human culture, understanding anger. What's the benefit? What's the insight in anger? How to deal with it? How to use it for benefit? How to let it go? So I appreciate the feedback. You can always write to me over uh, on the website, weatherthemind.org. You can leave an audio message. Always love to hear from you. I feel like this is an ongoing conversation, so keep it coming. And I do see a version of this show evolving. I still might do straight-up podcasts, but I also see phasing in some call-in shows on the horizon. No time scale yet, but I think that's... That's the next iteration of the Weather of the Mind uh, audio is, uh, is a call-in show. And I think that will be really a wonderful way to, to keep the engagement, keep growing. And I think also uh, a call-in show allows for more 
more humor, more joy, more joking around as part of the discussion, which, if you know me, is something I truly love, joking around. Personally, I continue, as we do in upstate New York, to emerge into phase three of opening up. At this point, uh, the bars are still not open, but they're getting close to opening. But people have been eating outside at restaurants, outside seating. People have been hanging out a little more. I got to play cards a few nights with three of my friends. And after being on my own for many months to sit with three buddies and play cards was, it felt like I was, <laughs> it was our Woodstock. <laughs> It didn't need a lot of people, just a few close friends and just some conviviality. We were sitting out on a porch playing cards by candlelight. It felt like, felt like it was the 1870s and we were in, uh, you know, in the middle of Italy in some garden party. It was delightful. The card game we played is relatively new to me. It's called Wizard. And it is in the spades and hearts genre of games. Has a few of its own unique elements. Involves uh, betting. Uh, not not betting money, but betting on how many tricks you'll take per hand. Fascinating game, Wizard, check it out. Hearts and spades, always, always good. So let's jump in. So I think that's a good transition. What I felt playing cards was just joy. I mean, just a sweet joy. The sweet nectar of life, right? When I'm biking, I've been biking a lot, and get on that... That long trail from Ithaca to Tekanic, the Black Diamond Trail, eight miles of an old rail bed. When I'm biking on that, and I'm just, I'm just seeing the, the flowers. We went from early summertime, you have all these baby blue, light blue colored forget-me-nots at the floor of the forest. See, the forest along the sides of the rail, of the, of the rail trails are often only 30, 40, 50 meters wide. If that, sometimes it's a big forest, sometimes you're next to a prairie, so the landscape is really dynamic, so you get to see so much different wildlife, and, and the birds and the flowers have been extraordinary. Once the forget-me-nots wane, the flocks appears, light purple, pink, darker purple flocks, so it's just an unbelievably beautiful flower that just can dominate the floor of, of some of this fringe forest, forest in the edge, the edge forest, you know, getting some light, early succession forest, as you call it in forestry. So joy, joy, I think a lot about joy and nurturing joy and just creating the space for joy. So when I came across this piece in the Times by, and the piece is written by Eric Kaplan, illustrated by Eleanor Davis, so it was kind of a collaboration. And it was a New York Times opinion piece from June 10th. And basically, it's a story of this character, Kevin, and his dog, Ori. And he tells this story of the grief of, lo of losing his pup. His dog, well, not a pup, but his dog. His dog has uh, gotten old and, has, and got sick and had to be put down. So he's, he's dealing with this grief, but he's also pondering... Why do I feel grief so strongly? Can I feel joy as strongly as this grief? As the writer ponders these questions, he actually prompts the readers to, to respond. He says, I'm looking for a good trick to feel joy as I feel grief. 
So for me, I, I kind of took that and ran with this in, the, in this episode. And I just wanted to explore that question. Is there a trick to feel our joys as deeply as our griefs? Let's look at joy and grief. How are these similar feelings? How are these related? And how do we experience them in similar and different ways? So that's where I'm going to go from, from here on out. And again, I, I appreciate that, that piece. It's worth checking out. Uh, the cartoonist Eleanor Davis did a really wonderful job of, in, of interpreting this story. And I just, the mixed medium element caught my eye. The drawing with a simple story. And also, I, I feel like it's an untapped genre in papers. It's the kind of op-eds that I try to write and never get accepted or rarely get accepted. The op-eds that are not political, they don't, they're not trying to convince you of anything. They're more reflective pieces. They're more just ponderings of a way. Pondering and wandering and wondering. These type of genre is good for us. It's good for society. And uh, it was a pleasure to see it in the New York Times. So I hope to kind of link in this podcast with that piece. Joy and grief. Joy and grief. We need to understand the, the landscape of our emotions the hills of joy, the pits of despair, the marshes of sadness. I tend to look at things spatially, like I'm walking across a landscape. Maybe I'm walking through a city, then maybe I'm walking through the countryside. If I were to, to go through a region of grief or a region of joy, what does that look like? What does that feel like? I also try to think of joy and grief across different timelines. There's the timeline of our life. We can think of ourselves as children and think about, think of yourself as a kid and think of one or two scenes that jumps out to you, scenes of joy. Make a list. Engage, engage this brainstorm if you desire. Make a list of those joyful things that pop into your mind. Then go over to the grief side and think of grief as a child and think of were there moments of grief. Jot a few of those down. Now let's go forward to our teenage years, right? Those years of transition. We're not quiet kids. We're not quiet adults. We're in transition. Are there times in your teenage years that you clearly remember joy, that jump out to you, moments, weeks, however you interpret it? Then we can think about our teenage years in grief. Where was grief present in those years, in those transition years? And finally, we could look to ourselves as adults. And think about where, when we think of our adult years, where does joy pop up and where does grief pop up? So we're trying to take these terms joy and grief and spread them out, right? See them as a landscape, perhaps play with these ideas, these concepts. But also think of our own history. How has joy appeared in our lives? How has grief appeared in our lives? And how have we responded to it? Have we run from it? Have we learned from it? Have we grown from it? Another way to stretch this out over time is look at human culture. We have these words, joy and grief. Where do they come from? Well, it looks like, it looks like they all, both come from the old French. Joy comes from the French joie, J-O-I-E, as in Joie de vivre. Joy de vivre. I can't pronounce that right. Joy de vivre. De vivre. Joy de vivre. Or as the YouTube uh, pronunciation guides teach me. Joie de vivre. 
Joie de vivre. Joie de vivre. Joie de vivre. Joie de vivre. This is the French term, the joy of life, right? Joy. But it goes back further for the Latin root, joder. And this meant to rejoice. Before we had this noun, joy, this thing, joy. Joy is this concept, it's this feeling, it's this noun, there's this state, there's this place, joy. Before that ever existed in human consciousness, well, at least in terms of this word, we had the word rejoice. It is a verb, it is a way of feeling joy, it is an experience. And the same thing with grief. Grief from, comes from the old French, grevir, which means to burden. So before we had this noun, grief, this state, this expression, grief, we had the verb, to burden, to put the burden. Something creates joy, something creates burden. It was an action before it was a state. I think that's kind of interesting and provides some context for how we might have perceived it. So how is joy and grief similar, different? Are they two sides to the same coin? Is joy the opposite of grief? I don't think so. But there are elements. They do exist on different ends of some pole, right? Because joy, by its definition, is a great pleasure and happiness, where grief is a deep sorrow, especially with loss. So a, a very strong pleasure, a very strong positive a happiness, this is a joy. And a very strong sadness, a sorrow, a loss, this is grief. So there are some elements where these are different. But I think the way we experience them is quite differently. I think grief, by its nature, sh often shocks. There's like two types of grief. There's like a low rumbling grief. And this might be the grief we experience uh, if we're in an unhealthy relationship or an unhealthy family or an unhealthy work environment. It's just kind of a low-level rumbling, humming sadness that we kind of maybe take for granted but is present. But then there's that acute grief, the grief of sudden loss, that deep, deep sorrow. Now, joy... Joy might be more of a day-to-day -day low rumbling that we just have to tune into rather than something that just smacks us in the face. Like grief happens to us. Like something happens often and we react. But joy, I think you got to think of that joy, that French expression that's so hard to pronounce. Joie, joie de vivre. <laughs> joie de vivre. I'm pretty close. Joy de vivre. The joy of life. The joy of life is something that is always there. It's like on my bike ride last week, I, I came across a lot of bird activity. So I stopped my ride and just stopped to listen. And I saw this Oriole. And for some reason, when I see an Oriole, it just, it fills me with a youth-like joy and excitement the brightness of that orange contrasted with the black it just is it it pops it is sharp wow right sometimes you see some birds and they can fill you with this excitement this joy and it's almost like my my little one-year-old nephew well almost one-year-old nephew 
like that mind, that youthful mind of just learning the world and engaging in plants and birds and flags and clouds and just just looking up. I think looking up to the trees and the birds in the sky kind of gets us out of this human world a little bit. Like there's joy in the human world, but there's also a lot of grief. And perhaps there's joy and grief in the clouds and the birds and the trees, but we plug into some level of joy. And I think it takes us out of takes us out of our overwhelmingly human minds. And it connects us to nature, connects us to a part of us that we share with the birds and the trees and the sky and the creek. But you can see the sky and the birds and the clouds when you're cooking, when you're cutting up onions and tomatoes, when you're cracking open an egg into a pan with some butter. You're engaging all these parts of life. Life is flowing through us. Life is flowing through us. That, that's the truth. Joy de vivre. This is, this is the default. But just like a good friend or a great lover or a, a comfortable room or the comforts of our life, we take them for granted when they're familiar. We take them for granted. So the fact that those beautiful birds and trees and clouds and creek is there every day, every day he's got a beautiful sunrise, a sunset, it's kind of easy. It's kind of easy to forget because it's common. So we kind of might fall into a middle of the road. Some of the griefs of life might be more apparent. We might forget about the joys. So for me, as I see it, the key to nurturing joy is really engaging joy, the joy of life, connecting to that joy of life that flows through all of us. Sure, we're smart. We're way too smart, humans. We're aware of life and death. We find ourselves in very complex modern lives. And there is grief. There's grief on a societal level. There's grief on a family level. There's grief on an individual level. But there's also so much joy. So life, in fact, becomes a question of what do we focus on. And it's not going to be helpful if we drown in grief. And it's not going to be helpful if we drown in joy. But if we can find a balance. And because grief will come as it pleases, it will come unexpectedly. It's important for us to have a ritual where we connect to that joy. Whether that's going on that bike ride or going on that walk or playing frisbee with your friend or your kid. Oh, it's good to have a few of these rituals. But we should think about the word joy. We should think about what that word means. But also, let's not get lost in the word. Let's think of the feeling. If you can engage and know what it feels like to feel joy, like how it feels, how it enlivens your body, what it feels like to feel joy, if you could plug into that feeling on that bike ride or that walk or that stroll or as you paint or as you look out the window at the sky or as you're cooking, nurture that joy. Remind yourself. Put a little reminder next to your desk. You could write the word joy. You could draw a picture. It's a personal reminder, but something to remind you to keep your eye out. Keep your eye out. 
I know people, some people make gratitude lists at the end of their day and it's sort of something similar. I think there's an overlap with gratitude and joy. Gratitude and joy and perspective. It's about stepping back and seeing the whole. Seeing that there's grief and that there's joy. And just giving ourselves some time to just dwell in the joy. Because when I'm sitting playing cards, my friends, when I'm on that bike ride, I'm recharging some batteries within me. And those batteries, they help me stay balanced when the grief comes up. So looking at my notes here, I think, I think I, I've really kind of abandoned them. I kind of went off on my own there, but I, I knew what I needed to say. I think the key is the right frame of mind. Time is the ultimate currency. To spend 15, 20 minutes wandering, wondering, giving thanks, nurturing joy. This is going to benefit the rest of our days. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour of joy. People say, I'm too busy, but if that hour, if that 15 minutes of engaging something joyful it transforms you, it transforms your relationships. So don't, let's not undervalue the power of joy, even if it's familiar. So can we shift our minds? Can we engage joy in a way that makes it more, uh, more of a recharge, more of something we have a relationship with? Relationship with nature, with joking, with plants that surround us, with cooking, with conversation, with playing cards, joy in tending the garden and mowing the lawn. I think I'm going to have to make a part two of this show in the coming weeks because we didn't even get a chance to talk about the importance of laughter and joking as momentary sparks of joy in our daily lives. Very fascinating topic to revisit in coming weeks. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Let's keep on engaging these topics. Keep the exchange going. Remember, we talk a lot about foundations on this show. Stay hydrated. Get your sleep. Try to keep on making some healthy meals. Get that blood pumping even for a few minutes every day. Engage music, singing, listening. Just give yourself 15 minutes a day just to go for that stroll and look up. Look up to the trees, the birds, the clouds. Try to resonate with a part of our humans that we share with nature. I think that's a good way to nurture the joy. All right. Have a great day. It's been awesome spending time with you. Much love. Keep living and learning. Bye-bye.